Live from the fish tank, it's your host Ronnie with another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. We have a good one as always for you. I have a much more intelligent uh, guest on than I to discuss the DSAC rookie draft. And then after that, we can uh, touch on some baseball stuff. So not really a whole lot else going on, but uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. I know I did. Let's get right to that. All right, and as a reward for all of you guys sitting through my unintelligent draft analyst analysis, rather, uh, last week, <laughs> we can have some intelligent draft analysis this week. But first, uh, apparently we have a sponsor on this one. Yeah, I no longer do this podcast for free. Um, so I, we have a sponsor, and uh, let me make sure I have it in front of me here so I do it correctly. Okay, um... So, yeah, I no longer appear for free. So, here we go. Attention, Subway sandwich lovers. Have you tried the all-new 12-inch Jobin barbecue beef sandwich yet? Our latest creation is packed with juicy, slow-cooked beef that's smothered in a mouth-watering barbecue sauce and served on freshly baked bread. But don't just take our word for it. Just ask Anthony Santander, the star outfielder for the Vegas Flamingos, who recently hit three home runs in a single week after fueling up with our Jobin barbecue beef sandwich. That's right. This sandwich is not only delicious, but also a winning choice for athletes and sports fans alike. So come on down to your nearest Subway location and try the Jobin barbecue beef sandwich today. Don't miss out on the sandwich that even the pros swear by. All right, there we go. Done with that. Honestly, Um, I would have anticipated a Jobin sandwich being a cheese stick, but... Barbecue beef, because we got beef, and I barbecued his ass. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're here to talk about football. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, I promise there is know. there is intelligent things coming in the future. I promise. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, you, you'd ask you know, like a more intelligent draft profile. Um, I heard yours last week. It wasn't terrible. Um, you know, the big names, and that's usually all anyone ever goes with anyway. Dynasty fourth round drafts get kind of sketchy. Um, but I made a point last year to watch or try to watch at least a quarter of all Division One fo- or all, what was that, the FBS football teams? Yeah. Like 117 of them or something like that. And I ended up making my way through almost 100 of them. Uh, you know, kind of tough to, to catch. Uh, uh, let's see, do I have the list even? Because this is actually somewhat interesting. Maybe I don't, but um, I went through and watched a whole bunch of like Mac games and uh, Sun Belt games, and just subjected myself to terrible football for for fun and because I had never seen East Carolina Pirates game before. Um, Chris Johnson, so represented. Yeah. So I've actually seen some of these people playing. Um, there are a couple I wanted to highlight that I thought were extremely interesting. Because I liked um, not only the NFL location where they went, but it also kind of fit the needs of the team that took them in fantasy. So I uh, wanted to get to those. Let me make sure I have my info sheets in front of me so that I'm not talking completely out of my butt. But um, yeah, uh, figured we'd go through like five of them. Does that work for you? I mean, whatever you want to do here, yeah, as I said, you're the one who who knows more about these second, third, and fourth rounders other than Oh, that guy! That guy graduated from Michigan, uh, transferred out from Michigan, or uh, went to the Colts. That's about all I got on on these guys. So, Ferris graduate. Uh, none of them in in this draft. The only uh, the only uh, UDFA signing I believe was a uh, an edge rusher. 
So, mm-hmm. and Edge Rusher, yeah. who uh, some sicko on R slash CFB who commissioners a D two fantasy football league, uh, claimed that Fair State was juicing his sack numbers. So there was a similar. Uh, maybe we talked about this in a previous episode because now I'm like remembering it, but I'm also like uh, sober right now and. When we usually do this, I'm not. Um, so maybe we talked about it or not, but there was a player, a linebacker, who was getting his tackles numbers juiced. Did uh, I talk about this before? I don't recall it, but I'll let okay, you go his, off here. His name is so unimportant because he did, he's not going to be drafted. He is a, I think he's a Sun Belt linebacker. Maybe he's Division Two. He's he's somewhere where you would never hear of him. And that's how they kind of got away with this. But he was averaging over 16 tackles at home, and he was averaging eight on the road. All right. And maybe he's just having incredible games at home. But they did some looking, and it's basically like, did he touch the pile? And they gave him a tackle. Did, did he, was he in the vicinity of the guy that tackled him and they gave him an assist? Yeah, that, that sounds like hockey scorekeepers when they do like hits and stuff. Uh-huh. No, it, it was, uh, it, um, I follow this podcast, Split Zone Duo, um, and it's three college football writers because in my time away, I was trying to become a little bit more sophisticated about college football and therefore NFL draft info, um, kind of how it led to me knowing a few of these players a little bit better. But um, yeah, uh, they had brought this up and they did a kind of like a five-minute expose on it. Someone did a video on it. If I knew where it was on Twitter, I would retweet it. But yeah, it was, it was. Uh, laughable some of the tackles they gave and uh yeah if they're juicing sack numbers in d2 it would not only surprise me but i would kind of encourage it yeah i mean hey he won the uh ted hendricks award for best defensive end in college football the first ever non-fbs player to do so that's pretty good broke yeah. broke, ter- broke terrell suggs's single season all levels sack record i think he had like 25 and a half or 26 and a half mm-hmm. damn that's that's incredible well, good for him. We spent a lot of time talking about defensive players, though, and we need to be talking about the fantasy NFL draft. We do. Okay. So first guy I wanted to bring up, my favorite player in this draft, my favorite player I watched in all of college football last year. This is kind of a big thing. He went in the third round of our draft, and it's because uh, you know, he's not the prototypical size, I'm pretty sure. Let me make sure so I'm not speaking. Oh, no, he's definitely not the prototypical size. He's undersized for his position. He is a heart guy. He's also the greatest wrestling style bump taker in football. If you touch him, he flies. It's incredible to watch. His name is Jake Painter. He went the third round pick eight to Tom. He's a quarterback. He went to New Orleans, but he played football at Fresno State. I would die for Jake Hayner. Jake Hayner is the exact type of quarterback you want because Jake Hayner will be bleeding out of every orifice on his body with two broken legs, and he would still go out there on his knees, turn around, and get a handoff. The guy has an incredible pain tolerance, and like I said, he is an insane bump taker. Some of the hits he took where he just kind of like flies off of the guy tackling them is insane. But here's the thing. it's also a pretty damn good quarterback. Fresno State had no business being in a lot of these games. And in the fourth quarter, they're down 17 points, and then you know who shows up. It's Jake Hayner time. He's out there like every pickup quarterback you've ever seen. He's throwing balls like Uncle Rico, high, high arc down to these wide receivers, 50, 60 yards down the field. 
He is incredible. It's all hard. It is the Shane Falco of the replacements. Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. Slow down there. Have you seen the replacements? I have not. Okay, mark it down. Hold on, hold on. What is the... Oh, no, I haven't. The the replacements is the Keanu Reeves scab football team. He is the embodiment of this quarterback where he just takes hits and he does stupid stuff. But then all of a sudden you're in a winning position with him at the end of the game. He's all hard. Um, if New Orleans can teach him how to read defenses properly and also to stand in the pocket and not do uh, shooting star presses off of hits, uh, he could very potentially be the heir apparent. Okay, leave me alone, Siri. Um, my iPad, Siri. Um, he could very well be the quarterback of the future for New Orleans, and that would make this round three pick eight pick for Tom very very valuable. Uh, he's my favorite player in college football. It's not because of skill, but it's because of the attitude. And sometimes the attitude works out. Um, I would say his comp is probably Gardner Minshew, but he has the potential to be a little better. Yeah, I mean that was a guy I was. I don't want to say like high on, but like a guy that I had like at least heard of like more than most quarterbacks. Yes. So he's twenty four. He was uh, originally uh, signed with Washington, and then he transferred to Fresno State. The Fresno State coach got hired by UW, and last year they had a choice between the guy who they brought in, who Michael Penix Jr., who will probably be a draft pick in the NFL next year, or this guy, and they went with Penix. And Washington was awesome, or at least their offense was awesome. So I kind of understand their decision. So I'm not saying that there are not better quarterbacks than this guy, but there are none that are more fun to watch than this guy. And for the record, why I I paused on if I had seen the replacements is because I couldn't remember if if it was that movie or if it was uh, the comebacks, which is... (laughs) Okay, okay. So you have seen the replacements? No, I have seen the comebacks. Oh, you need to watch... Okay, so the replacements (laughs) is a really, really good football movie. So you haven't seen my favorite baseball movie or my favorite football movie. That's insane. As I said, I we we it's well established here. I'm not a very big uh, uh, pop culture yeah, guy. These ones are they're worth it. Um, okay, but uh, so that's Jake Hayner. That's my favorite player in the draft. I really wish I was there to get him, but I didn't have a pick. Uh, probably would have taken him at two ten if I did, just because I love the heart. Um, moving on, a pick I did actually try to trade for uh, was in the second round, kind of late. Um, this guy is a running back. He was overshadowed by a guy on the same team of his. He is very skilled, a highly touted prospect coming into college. Um, played all four years at a what uh, split zone duo would call a helmet school, a school that you recognize immediately by the helmet. Um, and he went in the fourth round to the Chicago Bears. His name is Roshan Johnson. Or Roshan Johnson, Roshan Johnson, R-O-S-C-H-O-N. You make up your own mind. Um, he's a great running back and on any team he would have been the one this year but he was overshadowed by John Robinson so um, he played second fiddle but he is a bigger guy he's 223 uh, 6 foot 223 on the pounds so you think uh, you know bruiser up the middle guy and he can do that but he's also a, an incredible possession receiver um, on like dump offs and screens and things like that uh, fast feet for a bigger guy um I really like the Bears pick there because they don't really have an established running back. And so oh, kind don't, of don't, room don't, don't let Barry hear you on that. Well, 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 established, meaning 
he's gotten 200 carries in the league before. Maybe Deontay Foreman has that. Khalil Herbert hasn't. And that's not, I like Khalil Herbert too. Don't come after me. No pitchforks. I, I come in peace. He's actually, this guy, Roshan Johnson, is a perfect compliment to him, which means that some of his carries are going to be taken away, but they, they're going to work well together. Um, really like the pick in the second round at pick 10. Keith made an, an excellent choice there. Um, and I, I like I like the pick. I like the player. I like the situation. Uh, and I think he can be, you know, really good. And this is the type of pick that I wish the Seahawks would have made in the fourth round instead of spending money on Zach Charbonnet in the second. So, yeah, Rashawn Johnson, guy to watch, Chicago Bears. Uh, next. This guy um, was a highly touted prospect. At the beginning of this year, we were looking at a first-round pick for him, mid-first, possibly even high. He was supposedly a physical freak. Um, and then this year happened. Uh, not really sure what happened, whether new coach in the situation threw um, something into the situation unexpected. There was some off-the-field stuff we don't really know about. And then this guy showed up to the combine, expected to right all those sins of missing most of the last year. The great combine, and then pulled up one of the biggest stinkers in terms of like expectations uh, for anybody. So he ended up going in the sixth round, and he went in the third round in our draft once again to Keith. It's uh, Kayshawn Boutte. Uh, this guy made some of the most incredible catches two years uh, for LSU, and then LSU fired Ed Orgeron probably for good reason. Um, and hired Brian Kelly, and we're not really sure if there was off-the-field stuff or if it was Kelly-related reasons. Uh, he just did not – he wasn't out there very much. Um, a lot of coachability concerns, things like that, and just like, is this guy someone who wants to uh, invest a lot of money in? So teams clearly passed him up. He also, like I said, did not have a good combine. Uh, so he went in the sixth round to the Patriots, and it's one of those things where, you know, maybe this guy actually does pan out because the talent's clearly there. Maybe there was some problem with the coaching last year and, you know, giving to the best ball coach ever, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Steve Belichick. And, you know, maybe he'll turn things around. Uh, real quick interjection that is real, really not relevant here, but I hear the name Brian Kelly and I can't help but think of my friend's dad who despises Brian Kelly because when I was in elementary school, uh, my high school won a state title in, uh, in, in football. Uh, the quarterback actually went on to play a few years for Cincinnati, and Brian Kelly obviously was at Cincinnati, and then he kind of up and left, and my friend's dad was pissed at him for that for, for reasons related to said quarterback. I don't really mm -hmm. But it's just really funny uh, hearing my friend uh, talk about the time his dad was drunk and just screaming at the TV when Notre Dame lost. Fuck you, Brian Kelly. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he uh, he's a very polarizing figure, we'll say that. Um, he, fucking fake Bayou accident, Bayou, yeah, Bayou accent. And then uh, having to be in all the new recruit signings, you know, he's trying to ingratiate himself with the team. I don't know. I have a story about Brian Kelly. Um, I was definitely away, so I didn't get to say this. Brian Kelly was actually in Vancouver, Washington, less than two miles away from me when he accepted the LSU job. Oh, that's fun. The, I didn't know, I didn't know there was a Vancouver, Washington. That's Vancouver, fun. Washington was where I used to live. Uh, before I moved out to is but, it is uh, it close to the border? No, it, so it's not. It's close to it's, the Oregon it's border. It's right on. It's right on the border from Portland. Like it's oh. across a river from Portland. I was it's, gonna say it's considered part of the Portland metro area. Yeah, I was gonna say because I would almost expect that to be like on like the the northern border of Washington. You know, kind of by Vancouver, BC. But 
Yeah, I know. It, it's confusing, but we were actually the first Vancouver because the guy who came here came here on the Lewis and Clark expedition, and he established a fort here when Lewis and Clark continued on called Fort Vancouver. And so we're technically the first Vancouver. So, so, so that Vancouver is this, the, the Hydrox of Vancouver's. Yes. Yes, he is the Meyer with a J compared to Fred Meyer of Vancouver's. Well, technically, the, the Meyer that I go to is also started by a, a man named Fred. Yeah, that's true. Okay. There are two Fred Meyers, but spelled differently. But um, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll move on. But yeah, first Vancouver, we get it all the time. It doesn't matter. We're the end of Vancouver. That's okay. But um, he was there recruiting a four star wide receiver that ended up continuing on uh, to Notre Dame. Um, and he did the recruiting, uh, like pitch went outside, took a phone call for 15 minutes, came back in, ate uh, three servings worth of barbecue to the point where some of the family members of the recruit were not able to eat all of it or eat it all. They had to eat other food and then left. And when they left, they turned on ESPN and it was breaking news. Brian Kelly signs with LSU. So the guy literally walked out the door. They turned on the TV and he signed to a different team than the one he was just there representing. That seems to track for his character. Yeah, he accepted it in between the pitch, and he ate the barbecue as the LSU coach in the flash. Okay, so uh, next pick, this guy's Canadian, so there's one thing. Um, played one season at Western Michigan before transferring to Illinois in 2019. Um, he is a great running back. He was fantastic. He fit what the scheme there was. Uh, Brett Bielema's scheme is kind of a knockdown, drag out, running run the ball type of thing, real college football, he's straight up the middle I mean, uh, type of stuff. Previously um, from Wisconsin, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and Arkansas, too, which does not seem that much of a fit. But uh, side of the point, uh, the running back is Chase Brown. He went, I just had him, third round to Alex. Fourth round. Or four, fourth round to Alex, third pick. That's what I was thinking. He's in Cincinnati. Um, they drafted him in the fifth round. They didn't take any running backs in front of them. And there's a clear spot directly behind Joe Nixon on the depth chart where is it? Is it? Um, it's Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. Chris Evans is the Michigan guy, yes. but he's not really like he's kind of more like a I don't want to say like necessarily like a Danny Woodhead, James White type, yeah. but he, he kind of is. Then, even then, he lost that role to Peter last year. So this is like a very, very open backup situation to a guy that we know has some injury issues past and, and he's also aging and to be quite frank and, probably not going to be in cincinnati maybe beyond like this year <laughs> correct so uh chase brown has a really good opportunity uh, for someone in the fourth round the early fourth round to take a big step forward uh, grab a starting job and uh or at least a position of you know this guy gets five carries a game he's out there on third downs uh I yeah. don't know much about his pass blocking skills or things like that. You can't expect too much of me, but people have called him the most freakish running back in college football because he does have some really good like combine popping numbers, um, which is why he was drafted in the fifth instead of his uh, previous designation of being unsigned. Um, but yeah, from Canada, so we have the Canadian running back of the league. Uh, there's a white cornerback in the league. I don't remember his name, but he's coming. So we're uh, got Canadian running backs and white corners. Oh, uh, yeah. if, if we're doing doing that, shout out Nathan here. Uh, first player since 19, sorry, the first white guard since 1980 
to be an all-NBA defense first team Alex Caruso. Nathan will love that one. Beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, that's Chase Brown. I think he's really good. I think he's going to get uh, part of the job. Uh, probably won't be as big a P as P Ryan because that, that guy is actually a really quality running back too. Uh, but the situation's there and it's wide open for him. It makes him go down with like an ankle injury to have four weeks of like really solid production year one. And if that translates to something, it could be a starting job year two. All right. That was number then, four, right? Number four. I think I'm going to end up with six. That's fine. Um, More content. Yes. Um, so. I come up to a really interesting prospect. This guy, um, you know, he's really, he, he's, I think he's drafted here as more of like a legacy thing. Um, it's kind of the Russell, Russell Wilson situation where defense carried him to some really solid results, but he was in big games and those moments he had, or in those big games, he had big moments. Uh, the problem is he's in the same class, or draft class technically as Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Uh, this is Stetson Fleming Bennett the fourth, aka uh, the head, the owner of Stetson Bennett Kia on Wake Cross in Blackshear. Um, this guy is destined to be a used car salesman or have his own um, car shop somewhere in Georgia, where he gives Georgia recruits uh, impermissible benefits um, under the table. But he ended up in Los Angeles. And like bully for you that you went out there and got him. Uh, Stetson Bennett. I mean, if Matt Stafford can't play this year and he retires, Stetson Bennett all of a sudden has a starting job in the NFL. And he's playing in Los Angeles where he most recently played. That's a pretty damn good success. Um, he, this last year, turned into a quality quarterback. Not one that you like tell to go out there and win. But he didn't make any dumb mistakes any dumb mistakes. He was always there and like with his head on straight, made the correct reads, made the correct throws. His arm's not super impressive, but he's like experienced and uh, skilled in like the intelligence of the quarterback position. Um, and he's somewhat athletic. I, you know, I'm trying not to do like the racial code thing. Like he's sneaky <laughs> athletic or something like that. But like he, he, he can run. He's, he's, you know, probably average speed. Uh, for an NFL quarterback that's primarily a pocket passer. Like, he can get two or three yards on a scramble, probably get even more than that. And he's got a decent arm, but not a great arm. And he doesn't profile as a typical NFL player. He went out this last year. He just nails in every single situation. So the Rams run a really, really QB-friendly scheme. And if there was a situation where Stafford's down for the first six games of the year, they can run something for Stetson Bennett. Uh, temporarily that will mask the uh, deficiencies that he has, uh, allow his athleticism to do some rollouts and things like that and not make him throw the ball 20 yards down the field to 10 yards down the field to a wide open receiver. Um, could be a really good pick. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, the only reason I took him was Stafford insurance, but the one thing I would be absolutely scared about is, I mean, Matthew Stafford is a guy who, on numbers alone, I don't know if he has a great resume, but he could be a Hall of Famer just by on longevity if he hangs around long enough. And yeah. he looked bad because LA's offensive line was awful. And uh, I would be uh, a little curious to see what a rookie quarterback would look like behind that terrible offensive line. I can't imagine it would be great. Well, here's the thing. You can treat Stetson a little differently because 
the last two years, all five of Stetson's offensive linemen have went to the NFL. His running backs have went to the NFL. Uh, George Pickens went to the NFL. Uh, his entire defense went to the NFL. A lot of the opponents that he was playing have went to the NFL because he's been in the biggest games possible. This is not an un, like a rookie in terms of experience. This is a guy that can step in right away. Yes, defenses are going to be a lot faster, but there's a possibility that he's behind the line on the Rams. I don't know who the Rams offensive linemen are, but there are, there's possibilities that the guys that been playing with the last two years would be the ones blocking for him or they're blocking for his competition. So he he's used to uh, schemes that are uh, um, the Georgia offense coordinator got hired by the Ravens, I believe, to revamp their offense. Um, that's the type of offense. Like, he was in a professional grade offense. I'm not saying pro style because I know that's like pro style and like uh, option offenses are like how that's designated, but like a, a professional level offense he was in with professional level players. Well, I, I meant less that, more the fact that Stafford had a guy in his face. One second after the snap. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It uh, it's it's going to be a little bit worse for that uh, for Stetson for sure. But uh, you know, he was playing against Will Anderson. He's played against Will Anderson, I think, a total of four games the last year. Um, Jalen Carter, he went against every day in practice. Like he's seen these monsters that are going to be on the other side of them and what they look like. And I, I think he's going to have the experience and the wherewithal to to be. Baker on short notice level good. Fair. Yeah. Uh, real, um, uh, God, what's the guy's name? What's your guy? Uh, Zappy. Yeah. Gonna surprise him. But, uh, okay, that's number five. I got one more, and we're moving back to the end of the second round. I'm trying to decode how this one. I think this is Josh's pick. Uh, but it's a running back uh, at a uh, Tulane. He was the probably the best running back in terms of like volume and like uh, production last year. He was excellent. Well, I guess John, I can't really say that, but Tulane relied on their rushing offense to get them to levels where they haven't been in dozens of years. And this guy was the main continent. Uh, Ty J Spears. He was an excellent running back last year. He was running away. He, uh, what was the Tulane bowl game? I'm going to look it up real fast. So Okay, he was the leading rusher. He ran 17 carries for 205 yards and four touchdowns in the bowl, the Cotton Bowl against USC. He was the main cog leading to a two-lane win over USC, 46-45, January 2nd of this year. Um, again, 17 carries, 205 yards, and four touchdowns against a, you know, not a great defense for college, but top-level college competition. Uh, and yeah, he scored the second to last touchdown, he scored two touchdowns in the third quarter of that game, and he kicked off scoring for Tulane in the second quarter to bring him uh, back from 14-0 to 7-14. Uh, he was all over the field. He was the fastest guy on the field. USC could not stop him. Um, and he outdueled Caleb Williams that day pretty much by himself. The uh, Tulane quarterback had 234 yards, but one touchdown by itself was 87 yards. Um, so he, with the exception of the 87-yard touchdown, outgained his own quarterback and beat Caleb Williams in a duel um, in a bowl. So top-level yeah. talent. The downside on it is apparently he doesn't have an ACL. Yeah, got to say, that may be the kindest way you could describe USC's defense. 
I didn't watch them, but kind of, you know, getting the updates from their game against Utah, where they basically let Ohio State fall ass backwards into the college football playoff. Um, I don't yes. know if I would classify their defense as um, competent or even good. So it was uh, the Seahawks defense, where they have an excellent secondary because um, you can attract, you know, here I go with the racial coding again, you can attract flashing players to USC but you're not necessarily going to be able to do that level of recruiting quickly with a new uh, coach for line. And so their defensive line was horrible. They were near the bottom of sacks and they got gashed in the run game. But this guy in particular was a guy that gashed them for quite a bit of yards, even compared to all the other ones. So like the, the finesse offenses like uh, Oregon and stuff like that had, you know, relatively good success against USC. And then Utah, who's like power run, run it right up your face you know, dominated them. Tulane ran a similar scheme and won 46-45 in one of like the most exciting bowl games last year. So um, this guy was the main cog in it. I really like to pick for Josh at 212. Um, I think it's excellent value. He is someone I don't expect to be uh, around for too long, but apparently he missed, he's lacking an ACL, but he's got so bad arthritis in the same knee that it's making the knee stable because of the arthritis. All right. Well, hey, it's a good thing that, you know, Josh doesn't have his uh, history in this league with a running back with very bad arthritis in his knee, right? Oh, wait, no, I'm yeah, sorry. That's... Josh had Todd Gurley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, horrible. Well, you're getting one of those, but you know what you're getting at least this time. You're not drafting a guy with two working legs and all of a sudden he needs one. Um, yeah, that's that's a breakdown on six guys are really, really like draft i ended up taking uh, michael wilson who is a big stanford wide receiver tall large jump ball type of guy right, so oh it's 30 i thought it was an hour my bad yep. so your your draft pick there okay all right my draft pick uh michael wilson out of uh, stanford he's playing for arizona now he's a big wide receiver um got a weird injury history uh not really sure why he was out uh, most of the year last year. He only played six games. But he's a jump ball guy, big, uh, bruising wide receiver. They don't make those too many or too many of those anymore. And I feel like uh, if Hopkins moves on in Arizona, he could be a guy that Kyler throws jump balls. Otherwise, I took two flyers on running backs in fourth round: Eric Gray and Evan Hull. Quality college running backs situations are kind of iffy. Both line really star running backs, and maybe other another backup. Um, established veteran of some form. Uh, and then the kind of lottery pick took, or lottery ticket pick was Cameron Latu uh, from Alabama. Uh, not the best tight end in high or in college in terms of like receiving. Uh, excellent blocker though, and that will get him on the field, I think, in San Francisco. And San Francisco also uses that position in ways that other teams don't. So you usually end up with a Ross Dwelly game at some point in the year when Kittle is banged up and uh, Kyle just is like, they're not going to stop a tight end no matter who it is. I feel like Latu might be the recipient of one or two of those games in the next couple of years. And considering my tight end one right now is Kate Otten, I kind of need that. Uh, so those are the four guys I ended up taking. Obviously, this is a year where I don't have my draft pick. Uh, this pick, I believe, was the James Winston, Mike Williams trade, I believe. Um, if hey. not, it was the Mike Thomas trade. So both of them bad. Uh, 
But yeah, I, 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 I think it was I think it was the former. But hey, whomst among us has not traded away a future first round pick to Alex in exchange for a uh, a quarterback past his prime and had that backfire on us, right? Yeah, well, James wasn't past his prime. The problem was he tore his ACL five days after I traded for him. Okay, well, look, okay, I'm just trying to make myself feel a little better about that, all right? You don't need to... Yeah. Whatever. And yeah. then... No, Mike Ryan, or Matt Ryan, it's just terrible. Uh, okay, I had one... <laughs> for the Colts, too. Well, that was more, I think that was more an offensive line issue, but... Oh, sure, sure, yeah. That was, like, really tough to watch at times. I, I, I sat through Indianapolis, Denver, Thursday night, ask me anything. <laughs> that was... That was is that the eleven ten game? I something like that. It was the worst game of football I've ever watched in my entire life. I'll tell you that much. I watched it too. I watched <laughs> it too. Good football can, or bad football can still be good. Actually, I'm learning that with baseball. Bad baseball can sometimes still be good baseball. I don't think bad football is good football. Bad football is hard to watch. Yeah. And then the one thing I will say about Matt Ryan. This is one of my, before I get to one player I want you to talk about. Last okay. left here, but uh, so last year the Indianapolis Colts were quite frankly bad. Um, Matt Ryan led four game winning drives. The Indianapolis Colts, I believe, only won four football games. So there's a stat for you. Uh, how many game winning drives do you think Carson Wentz led in 2021 for the Colts? Matt Ryan had four this past year. For reference. Two. Zero. Oh, wow. Matt Ryan came in. The Colts had the fourth worst record in the league, and Matt Ryan had four more game-winning drives than Carson Wentz did. Not that that's really indicative of overall performance. I just thought that's kind of funny. Right. Yeah, that's – Carson Wentz is terrible. So bad. All right, and speaking of the Colts, the last pair I wanted you to talk about, because I'm kind of intrigued by some of the stuff I've seen out of camp and, in, in, you know, from reporters here, Josh Downs. Do you have anything on Josh Downs, UNC? Uh, I do. Let me just pull up so I'm looking at the height, weight, at least. Um, kind of small. Yes, kind, kind of small, but was pretty gosh darn prolific last year. Uh, what was the touchdown total last year? Because I knew he had a ton. Um, KFF All America. Let's see. Uh, 94 receptions, 1,029 yards receiving, eight and a half catches a game, 93 yards per game, uh, seventh in touchdown receptions with 11, uh, second most in ACC and fourth most in UNC history. Like, big, big year. Small guy, shifty, fast, uh, slot receiver in the making, uh, but with deep skills. Like, he. He's going to burn people, but I, if I remember correctly, this is the guy that had the drop in the shoes. Um, there, was a, there was a guy on UNC. Uh, UNC's quarterback is or was really good. Well, it was Drake was May, that, was right? That the, and I'm trying to remember. I just, UNC is not on the brain right now. Give me just a second. Uh, UNC quarterback. Drake May. So, so I'm pretty sure they so Drake Bay, but they also just went out and got somebody too. 
Drake May looks like a guy who went to Duke. Actually, Drake May has a name and a face that looks like he went to Duke. Yeah, look it up. That's right. Keyboard clicks. Um, he do, he does he does kind of look like Grayson Allen. <laughs> he went. He looks like he went to Duke. Uh, but apparently, he's going to go like second in the drafts next year. Uh, he's a sophomore, so uh, I think he's going to be eligible. Um, he had a pretty damn good quarterback throwing to him. But if I remember correctly, Josh Downs was his was undoubtedly his best receiver. But also had the droppies. I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, and is this the guy? And one more thing with with uh drake may the fact that like i i will always consider him a unc guy not just because he went there but his brother is luke may who kind of had yes. some you know cult hero status at unc for a bit there he's got two may brothers that played on the team oh well luke's the only one i recognize so yeah there's, a, Sorry, there's another may brother that played too um so this is not the guy who the dropsies so i've been going on and on and researching for about a minute now <laughs> for another unc receiver uh, there was a guy that I saw that had multiple open open shots from Drake this last year and uh, dropped them. This was not the guy though. Um, he is a like a three cone legend, but not a forty time legend. If that makes sense, he's not straight line speed, but he's in and out cut speed. Um, he's he's quicker than fast, but he's got reliable hands. He made a lot of catches, um, a lot of yards, a lot of chain moving. Um, he is. Ty-ish without the home run ability. Yeah. Ty's route running without yeah. the home run ability. Yeah, definitely kind of like uh, late career, later career Ty. Yes, very like, good. Very good. Pr prime Ty is the guy who caught that. Well, caught multiple bombs from Luck, but caught the bomb from Andrew Luck in the uh, AFC divisional round game against Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And that was a great football game too. He's a he's a yak guy. Throw it to him five yards when you need seven. He'll break break a tackle or elude somebody and get nine on it. Um, I think you'll be happy with him. Uh, the size obviously should scare you a little bit, but I don't know. Size is becoming less and less of a thing in the NFL. I think um, a lot of the defenders uh, at the second and third levels are getting smaller, not bigger. Uh, so being five nine and one hundred and seventy pounds isn't necessarily the death knell it was. Um, and it doesn't mean you can only run in straight lines like Sean Johnson or Sean Jackson. Yeah. And then uh, kind of note too, he is like just so unlike in terms of physical profile, any other receiver that Chris Ballard has drafted. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. But Reggie Wayne was pounding the table for him, really loved his his pro days. And just, you know, I think I think Wayne was trying to quote him as like either the best receiver in his group, like at like a combine or pro day, or just the best receiver in the draft. I don't remember which of the two it was. Now, obviously, the latter would be kind of hyperbole. Um, yes. But apparently, they seem to be kind of high on him, and I'm kind of curious about it, too. So I was, you know, figured I would uh, indulge my homerism a little bit and have you talk about him and, you know, yeah. throw Mike a bone, too, because let's, let's be honest, the rest of this podcast is not going to be very kind to Mike. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, I have to do my, my baseball recap after this. So I'm going to throw this at the start. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have another hat. Okay, I'll let you do your other sponsor here. Okay, thank you. Uh, introducing at McDonald's, the new 12-layer Joven dip, exclusively at McDonald's. 
perfect for those chilly winter months when you need something warm and satisfying to fuel your day. And who better to tell you about it than our star endorser, Javier Baez, shortstop of the Vegas Flamingo. Javier Baez knows a thing or two about hitting home runs. And since trying the new 12-layer Joven dip, he's hit three. Coincidence? We think not. With layers of creamy melted cheese, savory ground beef, fresh lettuce, ripe tomatoes, and more, the Joven dip is the ultimate comfort food that's sure to satisfy your cravings. Don't settle for bland and boring fast food. Try the new 12-layer Joven dip, only at McDonald's. And who knows, maybe you'll hit a home run too, just like Javier Baez. Come in and try it today. These are impressive. I don't know how you you do all this work to get these uh, these sponsorships. Uh, I knew that this particular uh, podcast was going to draw viewers, and I wanted to capitalize on that. Well, I appreciate it. I hope you at least split part of the profit with me. No. Okay. <laughs> all right. So. Ninety ten my way. Sure. Yeah. And then I guess after this, we want to maybe mention that we have some more. NFL or DSAC football draft content coming down the line here this summer? Yes, we do. Uh, we are going to be doing look backs at our 2020, 21, and 22 drafts and doing a redraft. Um, I think you and I are going to be alternating picks yeah. and doing commentary on them. Um, should be short little episodes, perfect all this over in the summer when it's just baseball and just the flamingo getting destroyed the rest of the year yeah so um yeah we're going to do that over the coming weeks and hopefully that'll be a nice little treat in addition to the rest of the concert that you turn out and probably just i would say maybe like two rounds because <laughs> like let's be honest here uh doing all four rounds at, at we get halfway through the draft and like none of these guys are really relevant anymore um i literally just spent 35 minutes talking about guys that weren't in the last two rounds of the draft well but they might be something yet you know, <laughs> like, yeah, we, like, you're right. We do not need to talk about Kashan Vaughn. Yeah, or we do or not need to talk about Puka Williams, Lynn Bowden Jr. Do not, yeah, CJ Verdell. Not necessary. Simi Fahoko. We can giggle all we want about it. Uh, Carson Strong, Kylan Hill. Oh, my, my favorite thing about the Carson Strong pick. So if you look at that, Look who was picking right after Carson Strong, and think about what team that player, or that what team, what pro team that uh, general manager supports, and how yeah. upset that particular general manager might have been about Carson Strong going before him, and then Strong just isn't even on a team. Yeah, thank God. The guy that actually had run last year. Yeah, that worked out well. Worked out well for him in, in hindsight. Yeah. So yeah. All right, know, I, I gotta stop. It. I gotta stop for a second. All right. Right All right, well, there's no uh, way to really pause this. I thought I guess I could stop recording, but it's less fun to do that. So um, we're just going to sit here and ramble and uh, wait for Spencer to get back. Um, let's see here. We can pull up the baseball and maybe do a little live update on how the wall are doing. Here we have the home run from Adley. Uh, three for three for Akil Badu on my bench. Not loving that. Yesterday, he got hit in the nuts on a, a caught stealing. It was very unfortunate. Direct throw right to the nads. Ball bounced off his nads into the glove of the defender while the glove was still on Badu. Um, just awful luck. I am back. Uh, right. What were you talking about? Awful luck? Uh, I didn't feel like pausing, so I was kind of talking about uh, how Akil Badu got hit in the nuts on a caught stealing yesterday. 
Yeah, and he was only concealing because he was hitting the nuts. Uh, yeah. The ball literally traveled with his nuts into the glove. Very unfortunate, but yeah. I, I basically just didn't want to pause, so I was talking about my own baseball team to fill time. Yeah, I, I get that. Theo was screaming, Daddy, 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 even though he did not need me at all. Just wanted to know that I was here, I guess. Uh, so went in there, handled it. Cool. Um, told him to go to sleep. Recording a podcast, and that's way more important than children right now. 100%. Yeah. Uh, where, as anyone who's reported the uh, recorded the podcast knows the timer only goes off for a half hour. So where are we? Uh, about 14 minutes, although I can stop it right here, pretend like this never happened, even though everyone listening will hear this and we can start a new one. Doesn't All right, matter. here we go. Let's do it. One, two, three. And we're back. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, you uh, pick up where you were. <laughs> are we back now? Yeah, we're back now. <laughs> okay, we're back. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, we were just talking about luck and, and bad luck and getting hit in your nuts. And uh, you know, there's a little bit of uh, you know, elephant in the room right now. We got to talk about it. Uh, getting hit in your nuts and you know, being punched and failing and getting caught, and all of those terrible things. And, uh, and that happening 11 more times. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's 11 of them possible, but you know, just so happens. Uh, and, you know, with that, we have to talk about the Alabama mudslide losing 5 7 to the wall. Oh, for sure. I mean, what, that what is, a nut punch that is. That is now both. That close. That is now both finalists from last year, the runner up and the champions who have fallen at the fins of the mighty walleye. Wait, why don't you tell us what G1 Bay's OPS was or something like that? I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah, think he was particularly. I don't think he was particularly good uh, last week. No, it was a 452. He was terrible. Yeah. He did steal some bases. That was about Three it. Three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, that was the elephant in the room that yep. know, everyone is expecting me to talk about. So, I guess I should, uh, before I get into anything else, I should read another ad. Um, new from my partners at Ford, introducing the new V12 Mustang from Ford, a combination of power, performance, and luxury. With its powerful V12 engine, this car will leave you breathless and begging for more. It's not just about the raw power of this car. It's also about the experience. With Jobin Audio technology, you can enjoy the sounds of silence like never before. Say goodbye to interruptions and distractions with Hello to pure, uninterrupted driving pleasure. And who better to showcase the new V12 Mustang than star endorser pitcher Hayden Wisniewski of the Vegas Flamingo. With two quality starts under his belt this week, Hayden knows a thing or do about precision, performance, and control. All qualities that the V12 Mustang embodies. So if you're ready to experience the thrill of the open road like never before, come test drive the new V12 Mustang today. With its sleek design, powerful engine, and Jobin audio technology, you'll feel like you're driving on cloud nine, or maybe cloud 12. Don't you just take our word for it. Take it from Hayden. The V12 Mustang is the ultimate driving machine. I think we may get sued by BMW for that last one, but. <laughs> yeah, the subway one didn't even have any pressure yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's such an ass. Uh, so, yeah, let's just fucking get to it. So, we were talking about bad luck before, and um, I messaged Mike this, and I'll just be open and honest about it. My team didn't fucking deserve this. 12 0. Um, Tom and I's team is decent. I you know, said the whole thing, like, we're going to surprise some people. 
this year. Well, we really surprised one of them. Uh, <laughs> the, the hitting was above average from our usual. So, like, we'll claim that. Like, 17 home runs in a week is, like, insane. We've hit two of them so far this week. But our pitching had the best week we will probably have all season. And it just coincided with some of the most terrible luck that Valley Jovan could ever have in their barbecue beef sandwich. Uh, so when, I'll just go back to the beginning of this. Uh, the first moment I noticed that something was happening, um, I messaged Tom, it was the second, so that was Tuesday of last week. Um, I said, this will not hold, but we're up 10 one-to-one on the Jovan. And he said back, stop the count. I'm like, the week is over. Uh, the bones for greatness are here, but we just need to add some damn muscle. The next day at 11.20 in the morning, 11 to 1, calm, we might be having a week. So that was Wednesday morning. It was the first time I had, like, any inkling that maybe something was happening. Uh, that afternoon, I messaged him again with eye emojis when it was 12.0 for the first time. So that was 2 o'clock on May 3rd, so that was Wednesday. Um, yeah. Uh, Complete surprise. Thought we were going to get it turned on us because some of the categories were pretty close still at that point. Um, and so it was just a matter of like getting the business. Uh, but here, let's talk about some of the insane, terrible luck that Mike had because when you and I started talking about it, uh, we were like, we need to keep track of this to come up with like a top five list. And honestly, it's like a top 12. Like he's got 12 horrible things, I think, that happened. Uh, so first, I believe this was Monday or Tuesday. He had Kyle Gibson and Aaron Nola pitch six innings quality. And then both of them came out for the seventh inning and they blew it. Gave up the fourth run in the seventh inning. Gibson ended up going six and a third. Didn't walk anybody, but also didn't strike out a single guy. Then, the same day, Braxton Garrett and Jack Flaherty gave up 21 runs together. <laughs> 11 and 10. 21 runs that I believe they only pitched like five innings combined. In like That's, four of them were from Garrett. <laughs> yes. Trout sat that day. And then the guy that replaced him was Brett Phillips, who hadn't got a hit uh, since August of last year. And of course, Trout sits. He gets the RBI in front of Renfro, who doesn't get an RBI. Then the next day, Verlander pitched five quality and got pulled because it was um, a new start, or like his first start back from injury. So that's understandable. They pulled him out for five. Um, Taiwan Walker gave up eight runs and was immediately rage cut. Uh, Peter Strezelecki blew a save Tuesday and then gave up five additional runs up Wednesday. And he only had one home run from his entire team, and it was Trout's last at-bat on Wednesday. Uh, you gave a pretty great joke in here. I don't know if you're looking at the same list I'm looking at, if you wanted to do it. Uh, I don't have a list at my disposal. Oh, okay. You said he should have started, instead of Braxton Gary, you said he should have started Brad Gary. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, because he would have went to Jimmy John's to fight the meat guy instead of giving up 11 runs. Um, on Thursday, Mike had Trout and Chisholm off. So, veterans rest for Jazz. Uh, that was the same day that Strezlecki blew the second 
uh, save with five runs. Uh, Dr. Mike, the role that come over pictures that creeps me out. Um, hey, you, you're the one who goes to me on a not so infrequent basis and asks for certain pictures. So you're right. That's true. It works for this one. Um, Wheeler goes five clean, like only gave up one or two runs, and then blew the quality start the sixth. Streamer Brad Keller went full Brad Keller, bunch of walks, bunch of runs. Brad um, Keller. Uh, um, Castillo got shelled at home by Houston, gave up a three run homer to Mordon Alvarez. Uh, you had Matt Brash give up runs to Mike, which hurt me. Kyle Bradish was good. Cal Quantrill was good. Cal Quantrill was great for a little bit. Yeah. But he also ended up walking three and only striking out four. Didn't help the uh, strikeout uh, walk ratio. And now we're on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday at 3 p.m. I knew I had 10 of the categories locked up for sure. The 11th category was strikeouts and walks, and he still had two Dodgers relievers left. And then the category, to me, that was the scariest. And the thing I was most ups- like worried about on Sunday was stolen bases. I was up 3-1, to one, and Acuna stole two at the beginning of the week before he fouled the ball off his knee. And then no one stole a base the rest of the week. So I was up three to one. In the 11th inning of the Braves Orioles game, Jorge Mateo stole second base uncontested. And that put it two to three with Mookie Betts still to go, someone who can steal bases. And in the final at bat for Mookie, he hit a home run instead of getting a single and stealing a base. So I won because the other guy got a home run, which is pretty freaking cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, I didn't deserve this, but I thoroughly enjoyed it the whole time. Um, I don't feel bad about saying that. Uh, my team didn't play insane, I feel like. Uh, Santander and Baez were my two best hitters. So, you know, two guys that I'm paying a lot of money to be good hitters were good hitters. Uh, Hayden Wisniewski was the second best pitcher in the league last week. And then my relievers were locked down all weekend uh, or all week. So 12-0, I, I was just shocked that it was even like a possibility and that we had the possibility of doing it to such a good team. And so I just enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, like, and I don't feel bad about it. I mean, Sorry, yeah. I'm not going to apologize for that. You, you really shouldn't feel bad about a win unless you're – you know, kind of like me, who against Josh last year really stretched the definition of legal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's the other thing. Start hashtag start your starters. Yeah, that's it's, how that's how you end up with uh, you know Jamison Tyone once again kind of blowing up on you a little bit as he's uh, coming back from injury and they didn't need to put him on a rehab start. So he's kind of rehabbing at the big league level. And yeah, yeah. Mm. Graham Ashcraft gave up eight runs on Sunday, and I still won by over three runs in the RA. Yeah. Yeah, that was start your starters. 
there's there's no excuse for anybody who's actually good at this game now to not start your starters after I pulled off a 12-0 and started my starters. And, like, not only talking about it, but lifted. I started five guys on Sunday, and I had categories pretty much locked up. I mean, you were, like, pretty safe, though. Like, I would have probably been starting those guys anyways just to try to get uh, okay, the I'm safe. I was safe for the win, but I was not safe for the thing I actually clubbed. Yeah. Is what it is. Okay. I mean, you can, you can disagree with that. The uh, stolen bases and walks were 1,000% in, in play on Sunday, all day Sunday. Uh, and just didn't happen. Um, yeah, I, I messaged Mike, um, you know, that this was a shocking result, nothing expected, but that I was going to celebrate it and celebrate it. I did. King sent me a wonderful meme. You sent me a wonderful meme. Both unrequested. It was great. Both of you were trying to get them up in action on that one. I loved it. Um, I traded for Drew Smiley in the middle of the week for no other reason than he had a great start against Florida. Uh, you know, projected great start against Florida. And he shit the bed only three and a third innings on even five pitches and got pulled. Uh, I thought that was going to be the baseball gods coming back to get me. And then I had my best hitting day probably ever on Saturday this week. Um, so... I, I don't know. It, I don't think I deserved it. I think my team played well. I think my team played good. I don't think they, they this was like a pinnacle performance for anybody. Um, Ronald Acuna was good across all categories when you expect your best player to be. But like, I don't know. Jack Sawitzki went one for 17. Bryce Assault went two for 15. Suarez went five for 22. I didn't have guys that like tore the cover off the ball necessarily. Um, still beat the shit out of Mike Trout, and I love it. I mean, hey, that's always a win for you, right? Whenever Mike oh, Trout's yeah. going to lose again. It's so great. Um, N- noted big uh, Team Japan World Baseball Classic fan, Spencer Linston. <laughs> well, we got all the shitty games, don't we? Is that what you said at the beginning of this year? I mean, to, yes, and you... To, to, to be fair, Fujinami's gone. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he is now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, everyone else performed admirably. And uh appreciate the effort by the team uh, on our... And, and this is not called the 12-0 week. This is called the Perfect Tom. All right. Uh, that's, what, that's what we did, because this is Tom's team. And Tom put together all these hitters and I just helped out with some of the pitching. Um, but yeah, 99 innings pitched three, nine, one ERA. It was around a three before, uh, Ashcraft blew up, blew up, uh, and then nine saves and nine quality starts. I don't know how you can have a much better week. Uh, but a 12 0 I did not deserve. I looked at the Roto stats today just, you know, how did my big week boost me? And basically I'm at the top of saves. And I'm in the middle of the road of almost literally everything else besides strikeouts, but that's because I stream four pitchers a week more than anybody else. Um, so that's like a, a comp- compilation instead of like an actual quality type of thing. But it's a way you got to stay in games when you give up five runs a game. Yeah, I mean, you got to find the strategy somehow. So yeah, uh, and yeah, I, you know. 12 is a massive deal. Um, so I reached out and, uh, you know, I didn't get a cameo, but I got a written message back from a couple of Mike's favorite people in the world. Um, 
first off, I got a poem, uh, or actually it's a haiku. Valley Jobin fails, flamingo soars high with glee, baseball victory. Beautiful, beautiful message there. Uh, a, um, a modern day Shel Silverstein. Yes, yes. Um, and then, you know, Mike is a big fan of the Dan Levitard show. I reached out to uh, one of the characters on the show and asked him if he would do a cameo for me. And he told me um, no, uh, but he thought he would send me a, a written message that I can read um, in his voice uh, to Mike uh, to kind of celebrate this occasion. Um, and that's Stu Gatz in the Dan Levitard show. Ah, uh, well, 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 well. Look who we have here. It's my man, the big winner, the champion, the one and only owner of the Vegas Flamingo, who, touched, who just took down his arch nemesis, Mike, and his so-called team, the Valley Joven. Now, let's get one thing straight, folks. Mike's team, it's a joke. I mean, come on. The Valley Joven? What kind of name is that? It sounds like a bad Star Trek villain, folks. And let's talk about his so-called players. I mean, who does he even have? A bunch of nobodies, that's who. I mean, when your best player is some guy named Kyle Tuckle, Tucker, you know you're in trouble. And I don't even get me started on his pitching staff. I mean, I've seen better arms on the chicken, folks. But my man, the owner of the Vegas Flamingo, now there's a guy who knows how to put it together a team. He's got studs like Ronald Acuna, who's hitting bombs left and right, stealing bases like he's Usain Bolt. And let's not forget Hayden Wisniewski, who's pitching lights out, racking up quality starts like they're going out of style. That's how you build a winning team, folks. So, Mike, if you're listening, take some notes, buddy. Take a long, hard look at your sorry excuse for a team, and then maybe you'll learn a thing or two. But until then, my man, the owner of the Vegas Flamingo, will continue to dominate the league and leave you in the dust. Because when it comes to fantasy football, or fantasy baseball, Jesus, Stu. Because when it comes to fantasy baseball, there's winners and there's losers. And, buddy, you're a loser. So that was Stu Gotts writing. I like, how you, I like how you phrased it by saying it in his voice and then proceeded to not use his voice at all. Well, his written voice. No. So his written voice just sounds like you. Well, that's potentially problematic when you hear about the next person I had writing a mic talking about his beat down. Well, who was that? Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> do you want me to do the voice now? It's up to you. <laughs> okay, well, here's what Stephen A. Smith had to say about the encounter. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what we just witnessed today. We saw a massacre, a beatdown, a one-sided affair. My goodness, the Valley Joven got absolutely embarrassed by the Vegas Flamingo in fantasy baseball. And let me tell you, it wasn't even close. I mean, seriously, what was Mike thinking with that team? It was like watching a bunch of amateurs playing against the pros. It was painful to watch. It was ugly. It was downright sad. The Valley Joven more like the Valley of Disappointment. And on the other side, we had the Vegas Flamingo, who absolutely dominated. They had it all, folks. Great pitching. Great hitting, great everything. They were firing on all cylinders, and it showed in the final score. I mean, look at Hayden Wisniewski. He pitched out of his mind, got one, not, got not one, but two quality starts. And let's not forget about Ronald Acuna, who had three homers and stole two bases. That's just ridiculous, folks. So let me tell you, if you're a fan of fantasy baseball, you better start paying attention to the Vegas Flamingo. They are the real deal. They are the team to beat, and they are going all the way. And as for the Valley Jobin, well, let's just say they have a lot of work to do. Thank so that was Stephen A. Smith talking about our fantasy matchup. Thank you for limiting his voice to like three words. <laughs> I, I don't want to catch another accusation. Yeah, for sure. 
don't don't need don't need any of the queen's accusations. Um, I do have another ad though. I'm sorry, I've been here long enough. I need to read another one of my sponsor ads. Uh, all right. Do you, is that all right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you I know, mean, I, I have to. I have to. This yeah. is paid for actually. So, introducing Jobinazine, the revolutionary new medicine designed to prevent shutouts and keep you feeling great all day long. If you're someone who experiences nausea, nausea in an stomach on a regular basis, then Jobinazine is the solution you've been searching for. Taking 12 times a day, Jobinazine is a pill that can be easily swallowed or chewed, making it convenient for even the busiest of individuals. Its unique formula is specifically designed to prevent shutouts, a newly found condition that will leave you feeling miserable and unable to enjoy your day. But don't just take our word for it. Hear from star pitcher Jason Adam of the Vegas Flamingo, who has personally endorsed Jobinazine as his go-to solution for preventing shutouts. With his busy schedule and demanding athletic career, Jason knows the feeling, the importance of feeling his best at all times, and Jobinazine helps him do just that. So why suffer through the discomfort and frustrations of shutouts any longer? Try Jobinazine today and experience the relief and confidence that comes with a healthy, nausea-free stomach. Jobinazine. Way to pronounce nausea. At the first, all right. I've done a lot of reading. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, now, question for you here: are, Is jobinazine with those those tablets? Are they like designed to prevent choking, or, or is that still an issue for younger kids, perhaps? They're actually a suppository. But specifically designed to prevent shutouts. I mean, that's so great. Um, that's a real problem that people have, and I'm really happy that they're able to get that handled. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have for us? Nothing. I am getting crushed this week as like a repayment. Um, I actually did tell Tom on Friday because I was looking at it pitching matchups and I'm like, we're going to get fucking spanked this week. So enjoy the 12 overall we can because we're definitely losing the bet. Um, oh, that would so not. Kind of, come on, not that. Yeah, I'm facing that. We're down 372 right now. I don't have my innings limit hit yet because I only had one start yesterday, but I don't have any. Uh, to start starters that are basic that are normally rostered so i'm going to be streaming to try and get like three additional starts which is stupid um luckily i don't have any injuries at the moment uh carter keyboom came back yesterday so tom and i gave him the nice little keys ho and added 1.75 million i believe to our cap sorry about that uh, one, by the way that was that was that was, was that? a that was a uh, ronnie influence pick in the starter draft. carter keyboom yeah yeah, I mean, is what it is. He was a highly touted prospect who just didn't work out, and now has like a major soldier shoulder injury. And you know, who knows if he'll ever play at a high level again? They sent him back to AAA instead of like a rehab assignment. Yeah. So, Thanks. yeah, not great, not great. But yeah, he's gone. I mean, the the dead cap we've accumulated this year trying to turn over some of this stuff is. There are two two players now that I kind of wish we wouldn't have dropped to. Uh, just for contract reasons, not necessarily excellent performance, but like maybe the contract was justified. And that's Nick Magical, because I really needed a second baseman or like a middle infielder in general at the beginning of the year. And he's 
not hitting power, but he has been hitting for decent average. So it wouldn't have been like a complete black hole. And then the other one is actually Adbert Azale, who's turned into a late inning high leverage relief for the Cubs all of a sudden. Um, and I paid $6 million to get rid of him and sign another one. So, uh, or trade for another one, really. I got policy while we need the other balance. But uh, yeah, so two kind of bad cuts there, but everything else is like dead cap, totally dead, dead in the water. Carter Keeble isn't going to get taken out by anybody, I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, feel all right about that one. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to get spanked this week or fighting it out tooth and nail to try and go back to like an even result, which is our ceiling. Uh, I think every other week so far, we've been like seven and five or like eight and four at worst. Um, we haven't been truly like destroyed, but we've lost more than one. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. I love the baseball this last week. That might be my favorite week all year, maybe ever. Um, yeah, I, I am not ashamed to say I enjoyed it. <laughs> And Mike, if you are, for whatever reason, still listening to this, let it be known that losing 12 0 to Spom, how do you, first of all, how do you feel about Spom there, Spencer? It's all right. All right. It's better than Tensor. Yeah, I, I, I agree too. Uh, but you could just go Tom, though. Yeah, I, I think we both know who's pulling the strings there. Um, Mike, if you're still listening, losing 12 0 to Spom is not nearly as bad as. Losing to Josh in football last year, or losing to Dylan the year before in football, when Dylan had um, a quarterback who was on a bye week, a wide receiver who was on a gambling suspension, and another wide receiver who I think I heard like the first play. So we had three zeros in his lineup in the Blue Water Wall. I could not even beat that. So this 12 0 defeat is not in the, the upper echelon of embarrassing losses in BSAC history. So it'll be forgotten yeah. here at some point. Not by me. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a baseball update 12-0. Um, I've got a lot of obnoxious things I was thinking about doing, and I don't know. I just kind of don't want to do it. But one more ad on the way out the door. I feel like it's safe. One more sponsor being helped out. Does that work? Yeah, hit them. Hit on a sponsorship. Hit them with it. Okay. Um, so a, a new partner uh, for our. VSEC podcast this week. Introducing Flamingo Insurance, your ultimate solution to never being shut out again. We understand how frustrating it can be to face sudden losses and not have any protection against them. That's why we've created our exclusive shutout insurance plan designed to keep you covered and secure for just $12 a week. Now, you may be wondering why we chose the number 12 for our plan. Well, 12 represents completeness and protection in numerology. We believe that by paying $12 a week, you'll have complete coverage and protection against being shut out. But don't just take our word for it. We're proud to have star pitcher Seth Lugo of the Vegas Flamingo endorse our shutout insurance plan. As a professional athlete, he understands the importance of having protection against unexpected events and has chosen Flamingo Insurance to be his go-to insurer. So why wait? Sign up for, for Flamingo Insurance's shutout insurance plan today and never worry about being shut out again. With our affordable and comprehensive coverage, you can have peace of mind knowing that you're protected against unexpected losses. You gotta say yeah, that Flamingo, is, Flamingo yeah, I was gonna say that's very on brand with all these uh, kind of like very low end like insurance companies cropping up and doing ads with sports with, with different athletes and they very much go for like the the most notable guy they can find on like a budget and Seth Lugo is a great great realistic option for for what that would look like in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, 
but yeah, I, I have a bunch more. I spent way too much time spending doing stuff like this. Um, maybe I'll release them at a later date, but uh, that, was, that was kind of my fun for the night. Just a whole bunch of tragedy in terms of my. Uh, Oh, uh, just I won't read the whole ad, but Southwest Airlines is proud to offer direct flights from the Valley of Disappointment, Lehigh Valley, to uh, Vegas. Um, and all the loyal fans who were affected by the recent shutout get a special discount on code Flamingo on Southwest Airlines. 12% off. <laughs> 12? All yep. right, well, that's all we got for baseball here, then? That's pretty much everything. Go do your recap. All right, cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, and I truly do love you, Mike. It was nothing personal, just business. Or it was nothing, yeah, nothing personal, just business. There you go. I said it right. All right. All right, big thanks to Spencer and all of our new sponsors. Love to see that. Can't wait to get that uh, five cents worth of... Uh, of listening advertising dollars but let's do baseball stuff first we have a few trades here um there was a a a money deal at the end of the week to like free up money for mike to cut oscar gonzalez i forgot to put that in but i know what happened and that's really all there is to say about that the other three though we have alex in all three of these he is trading andrew haney and rysel iglesias to nathan in exchange for blaze jordan alec thomas haven't heard a lot about Blaze lately. I think he's kind of cooled off, uh, no pun intended. And then Alec Thomas, uh, you know, someone de- something decent there, one of uh, Arizona's many talented young outfielders. He's not quite Corbin Carroll, but, you know, not too bad. So I see it for both sides, and I think it's a little better for the now. He thinks Alex gets a little, uh, a little younger. Uh, Alex also traded Eduardo Rodriguez and cash to Mike in exchange for a second and a fifth. This is the fourth time Erod has been traded. He was originally drafted by Nathan. I acquired him prior to 2022. Uh, then before the season even could begin, I traded him to Barry. Barry traded him to Alex somewhere down the line, and Alex traded him to Mike now. So this will be the fifth team that Erod has been on. Best of luck to Erod. He'll need it on uh, that pitching staff with the way the vibes are over on that particular team. Uh, a second and a fifth is a pretty decent return for a guy who doesn't have a huge track record of being a star, but he has been one this year. I believe he's like top five on the player radar for pitching, maybe top ten. He's really up there right now as we speak, though, and we'll see how long that lasts. And lastly, Alex Trent and Drew Smiley to Spencer and Tom Spom, as I affectionately call them, uh, for Rich Hill and Joshua Baez. I really don't have anything to say about this. It's swapping two streaming-level starters and there's a prospect whom I don't really know a ton about, but it's one less Jay Baez that Spom have. I guess having two was too many. All right, let's get into the uh, the records here. Barry set a new stolen base record. And, uh, well, uh, Mike set a new record for worst ERA in a single week. But uh, we have matchups to talk about, too. We have Barry beating Keefe. In the battle to see who would be crowned the new King of England, 6-4-2. to four to two. Barry got 13 innings, 11 Ks, 2 quality starts, a 1-3-8 ERA, a .77 whip from Mason Miller because he was too cowardly to start Bryce Miller. We got 3 saves from Ryan Thompson, 
12 and uh, two-thirds, 13K is a quality start, a 2-1-3 ERA, a .86 whip, and a 6-5K walk from Urias. Five steals apiece from Bellinger and Ruiz. Six RBIs, batting 4-12 with a 1-2-0-9 OPS from Eloy Jimenez. Keith had seven innings, 8K is a quality start, a 2-5-7 ERA, a 1 whip, and an 8K walk from Pablo Lopez. 14Ks and a quality start from Sandy Alcantara. Six innings, 6Ks, a quality start, 0 ERA, .67 whip, 6K walk from Dustin May. 12 innings, 11Ks, 2 quality starts, a 1-5 ERA, .92 whip, and a 5-5K walk from Joe Ryan. 3 safe holds, 6Ks, and a 0 ERA from Alex Lang. 3 steals from Volpe. 6 ribbies, betting 471 with a 1-2-5-6 OPS from Rendon. 7 runs, 2 homers, 8 ribbies, betting 480 with a 1-3-1-9 OPS from Masataka Yoshida. Great week from Yoshida. He has been on fire lately. The second matchup up is... It's it's that one, folks. Spom filled in the Valley. 12-0. We got 12 innings, 8Ks, 2 quality starts, a 1-5 ERA, a .83 whip, and an infinite K from Wes Nasty. We got 6 innings, 4Ks, a quality start, a 0 ERA, and a 1 whip from Kodai Senga. 7 innings, 6K is quality start to 0 ERA, a .57 whip, and a 6K wall from Bailey Ober. 3 save holds, 7K is in a 0 ERA from Jason Adam. 3 homers and a 1, 2, 3, 4 OPS from Javi Baez. 7 runs, 3 homers, 9 ribbies, betting 444 with a 1, 3, 3, 5 OPS from Anthony Santander. And 7 runs, 2 homers, 7 ribbies, and 2 steals from Ronald Acuna Jr. Meanwhile, on Mike's end, we got 3 and a third innings, 6Ks, a 21.6 ERA, a 3.3 whip, and a 2K walk from Taiwan Walker. Two and a third innings. Uh, a K, a 38.57 ERA, and a 4.29 whip from Jack Flaherty. One and a third innings. We got a 40.5 ERA, a 4.5 whip, and a 1K walk from Peter Strzelecki. We got four and a third, one K, a 12.46 ERA, a 3.46 whip, and a 0.25 K walk from Brad Keller. Four and a third innings, three Ks, a 22.85 ERA, a 3.69 whip, and a 1.5 K walk from Braxton Garrett. And we got six and two thirds, an 8.1 ERA, zero strikeouts, a 1.5 whip from Kyle Gibson. But Mike also did get five runs, three homers, 12 ribbies, betting 391 with a 1374 OPS from Sean Murphy. And then five runs, two homers, eight ribbies from Mookie Betts. We got Nathan beating Paolo 10 to 2 to retain the belt. Domingo Herman, 13 to 3rd, 11 Ks, quality start at 203 ERA and a 0.68 whip. Chris Bassett with seven innings, 5 Ks, quality start at 0 ERA and a 1.14 whip. Yeah. Four safe holds, four Ks, a zero ERA, a .55 whip from Camilo Doval. Six innings, nine Ks, a quality start, a 1.5 ERA, a 1.17 whip from Shane O'Mac. Seven innings, 10 Ks, a quality start, a zero ERA, a .43 whip, an infinite K walk from Zach Gafflin. Seven innings, 10 Ks, a quality start, a 1.29 ERA, a .71 whip, and a 10 K walk from Merrill Kelly. Colin Holderman with an immaculate inning. Eight runs, four home or seven ribbies with a 4.35 batting average and a 1.458 OPS from Christian Walker. And on Paolo's end, 7 innings, 7Ks, quality start, a 129 ERA, a .71 whip from Lucas Giolito. 7 runs, batting 379 from Bo Bichette. Batting 421 was TJ Friedel. And 7 runs, 2 homers, 7 ribbies, 563 average, and a 1807 OPS from Luis Robert. Alex beat nuts, 7-5. We got 8 run, eight innings, 9Ks, quality start, a 0 ERA, a .38 whip, and a 9K wow from Erod. Seven innings, seven Ks, a one quality start, a two five seven ERA, a point two nine whip, infinite K walk from Peyton Battenfield. 
Yeah, seven innings, six Ks, Quasar, two five seven ERA, a point four three WHIP, infinite K watt from Patrick Corbin, much to Alex's dismay. Seven innings, two Ks, Quasar, a one two nine ERA, a point eight six WHIP, infinite K watt from Drew Smiley. Batting four seventeen was Lars Newpar. Batting four sixty seven with two steals was Bryce Turang. Eight Ks, or sorry, eight innings, four Ks, Quasar, a two two five ERA, a point seven five WHIP from Shane Bieber for nut. Ten runs from Olson. Four twenty one batting average with two steals from John Berdy. And six runs, three homers, five rebounds, batting four, f- sorry, 545 and a 2.006 OPS from Lourdes Guriel Jr. We got Josh beating Chris 7 to 4 to 1, seven innings, five Ks, quality start, a zero ERA, and a one whip from Alex Cobb, 14 Ks from Garrett Cole, three safe holes from Classe, seven and two thirds, five Ks, quality start, a 235 ERA, and a 0.91 whip from Logan Webb. Five runs, three homers, six rebates, 385 average, and a 1313 OPS from Paul Goldschmidt. Eight runs, four homers, six rebates, batting 391 with a 1395 OPS from uh, Salvador Perez. Seven rebates, batting one, sorry, with a 1282 OPS from Cattell Marte. On Chris's end, seven innings, four Ks, quality start, a 129 ERA, and a 0.86 whip with infinite K walk from Steel. And then four runs, three homers, nine rebates, two steals with a 393 average, and a 1241 OPS from Dalton Varsho. And lastly, the Walleye, beating Ping 7-5 in order to earn victories over both finalists from last year for the Walleye. Uh, a very rare occurrence here as a player gets a shout-out on multiple teams this week. Taiwan Walker pops up again for good reasons this time with his 6 innings, 6 Ks, quality start, a 1-5 ERA, 0.5 whip, and an infinite K walk. Michael King with 7 Ks, 0 ERA, and a safe hold. We got 2 Homers, seven rubies, betting 389 with a 1222 OPS from uh, Harrison Bader. And Bryce Harper came back. So that was fun. Got six and two thirds, six Ks, a quality start, a 135 ERA, 0.75 whip, and a 6K walk from Hugh Darvish on Ping's end. 13 Ks and a 13K walk from Shohei Otani. Seven Ks, a zero ERA, a 0.4 whip, infinite K walk from Yenier Cano. 12 and a third, 10 Ks, a quality start, a 0.73 ERA, a 0.89 whip from Bryce Elder. And Eight innings, five Ks, quality start, zero ERA, and a point eight eight whip from Nathan Elvaldi. Uh, we had some big fab wins this week. Uh, let's see, Bryce Miller went off the board. Brennan fought, fought rather, went off the board. Matt Mervis went off the board. Uh, a lot of fab being splashed. There's only a few teams really now that have more than half their budget left already. So curious to see how that'll play out. But let's get into the categories for the week here. Runs, Nut and Barry split them with 52 apiece. Josh and Nathan, each with 19 homers. Josh, 62 ribbies. Barry, 18 steals. Paolo, batting over 300, 3069. Nathan with an 8903 OPS. Spawn with 90 Ks. Spawn with 8 quality starts. Barry with a 2788 ERA. Nathan with a 1105 whip. Alex with a 4067 K walk. And Spawn again with 9 save holds. Alex's players of the week Christian Walker for Nathan. Joe Ryan for Keith, Yanir Cano for Ping. Barry's top five, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for Nutt, Christian Walker for Nathan, Dalton Farshaw for Chris, Anthony Santander for Spom, Salvador Perez for Josh. For the starting pitchers, Hayden Wisniewski for Spom, Joe Ryan for Keith, Zach Eflin for Nathan, Mason Miller for Barry, Blake Snell for Chris. Relievers, Mark Leiter Jr. for Josh, Jason Adam for Spom, Camilo Duvall for Nathan, Alex Lang for Keith, and A.J. Minter for Chris. We got standings now. 
So after last week, we have a bit of a shakeup here. Josh moves into sole possession of first place, just a half game up on the walleye. Barry is up in third, three and a half games back. Spom only four and a half games back. Nathan, five games back. Keith, seven and a half games back. Three teams that are ten games back each. Alex, Ping, and Mike. Chris is done in 10th, 13 and a half games back. Nut is in 11th, 18 and a half games back. And Paolo is in 12th, 25 games back already. Oof. He has lost 45 categories, folks. That's <laughs> that's about... Uh, well, we're five in here, so that's nine categories a week. Paolo's average score is basically like three to nine. That's uh, not great. Don't love to see that if you're him. And we can take a look here at the scoreboard now, see who is playing who. We have the second place walleye in the sixth place, the queen's fatuous, I think it's king. Yep. Uh, seventh place, Fargo. Twelfth place, Paolo. First place, Connecticut. Third place, Gunthorpe. Fourth place, Vegas. Eleventh place, Nut. Eighth place, Alabama. Ninth place, Valley Jobin. Tenth place, the Apes in fifth place. Regulators. Should be a fun one this week. Can't wait to see how this all shakes out. And I don't think I'm forgetting anything. So with that, I think we can uh, wrap this up then. And on that note, I will catch you all next time. <laughs>